Hi, everybody. It's Buzz. Before we get started, I would like to dedicate tonight's podcast to the memory of Grant Wall. Not a man I knew personally, but a guy who was a journalist of top integrity and a person of top integrity. And from all reports, a wonderful, wonderful human being. And I just wanted to dedicate this podcast to him. Third Degree the Podcast is brought to you by Soccer90.com, your source for all FC Dallas and World Cup gear. Shop the wide selection of U.S. national team merchandise. As of today, all Third Degree listeners can receive 25%. Wow, hey, 25% off. Nice bonus. All U.S. national team merchandise. Go get yourself some gear. And that includes the USA jerseys. 25% off with code thirddegree at Soccer90.com. Special just for you. Hello, FC Dallas Curious fan. Welcome to episode 190 of Third Degree, the podcast. Peter Welton, our usual host, continues to be away with his heavy uh, World Cup workload from the kick-around. So with me, as usual, is my English compatriot and FC Dallas uh, writer on Third Degree, Dan Crook. Dan, how are you doing today? Uh, you know, the, the World Cup was good while it lasted. It's uh, It was weird how it finished a, week, uh, you know, a few days ago. and you know, there's, there's no more of it. Yeah. It's basically over, is it? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It just got to the quarterfinals and then it just, I don't know, just, uh, just disappeared. I have to ask you, Dan, about that absolutely hysterical, uh, commercial or, or, um, you know, funny bit. I don't know what, what it actually is with, um, Harry Kane and the guy from, uh, who used to play for Newcastle, who won the world rugby cup. Uh, have you seen the commercial or, or bit about kicking the ball over the goal? Uh, I haven't, but that would be Johnny Wilkinson, one yes, of the all time greats. Yeah. Uh, yeah. he, um, yeah, he, he's, he's famously a set piece guy. He actually, uh, he did a commercial with Adidas years ago with Beckham and, you know, it was just them taking free kicks using a rugby ball and a, and a soccer ball left foot right foot just from <laughs> everywhere and just it it was ridiculous well this so, funny the commercial the, or or whatever it is story time bit funny comedy moment is him showing beckham that uh, not beckham uh kane that he's taking pks wrong that you're supposed to kick it you know like a rugby style set piece uh, it's really funny to me and, yeah. and then at the end kane says to him something like that doesn't look right and he says i, I want a world cup doing that and kane's like oh okay <laughs> it's particularly funny given well, what kane happened. lost the world cup Dan, no? <laughs> yeah i know that's why it's funny anyway i i enjoyed it i'm sorry to rub salt in the wound but that bit was hysterical particularly if it was done after the world cup and then it's even funnier yeah i see how it is now <laughs> i mean it's funny It'd be lighthearted about it. I would have been happy for England to progress and win, although my bracket has Argentina, France in the final, so I feel pretty good about that. Uh, just, you know, for, close down the uh, the one guy that's been doing something for France and then a couple of ones pop up instead. Yep. Okay, let's move on to Dallas-oriented content. And before we get into FC Dallas, Dan, I actually want to give a shout-out to a young female player from the Metroplex, Jaden Shaw, who has been nominated for young female player of the year from us soccer. Uh, I, I don't think that she'll win this time, but 
Uh, I wanted to give you a chance, Dan, to talk about this young lady who we on this podcast have been talking about for multiple years now, a phenomenal local young talent. Yeah, actually, I, I didn't see the rest of the nominees, so I'm just going to quickly pull those up. But, uh, you know, it'd be cool if uh, if Jaden won it as a uh, as a former, as, as someone who started a journey with FC Dallas, given that uh, Ricardo Pepe won the young male uh, last year. Uh, let's see here we've got there's so many so <laughs> many categories this year they've added all the beach players and everything okay, yeah so we have CP young male that's female young female so oh yeah that's some tough competition Alyssa Thompson's played national team Olivia Moultrie I mean she signed with Portland when she was 13 uh, yeah uh, I mean Jaden Shaw has had a, a phenomenal year um Sign. I mean, NWSL had to change the rules to let her sign uh, to, uh, you know, not go to college. Uh, Moultrie was signed as some like kind of weird hybrid, homegrown, uh, after playing youth soccer for Portland Thorns. So it was like a, a total departure from that. That um, Jaden was allowed to join NWSL as a seventeen-year-old. Um, yeah, she's made. They've they've kind of went slow with uh, her introduction. She joined mid season. She's uh, made seven appearances. Six of those were starts. Scored in each of her first three games. Uh, you know, on the way to the NWSL semifinals uh, with with San Diego. Um, sky's the limit. Such a such a big talent, and uh, yeah, it'd be very cool to. To see her win it, and and uh, yeah, I was um, yeah. I mean, she, she's going to be a, a national team uh, player, um, a national team regular before long, I'm sure. Yeah, this is a player we've been talking about since she was with FC Dallas. She did go since to she was Solar. fourteen. We've been yep. talking about yeah, and then she went to Solar after being with Dallas for a couple of years. Solar on the female side is immediately better than FC Dallas, so that's not a surprise on her part. Um, she did get over a knee injury about a year and a half ago that she got over before she joined the pro ranks. But as you say, Dan, we've been seeing her dominating in the Dallas Cup and various other venues, and we've been expecting her to be a senior national team player uh, sooner rather than later. And I, I imagine it might come in the next year or so. So, again, yeah. a player that's, uh, uh, as you say, sky's the limit on the talent. I'm sorry, I meant uh, 12, not 14. She made her uh, debut for the FC Dallas WPSL, which is the second tier of soccer, uh, women's soccer, uh, as a I think I can't remember if she was a twelve or thirteen year old. Yeah, but I remember um, you know her making that debut, going on to solo winning national championships, like you say. Um, yeah, just just such a such a such a dominant, excellent player. Um, threat on on both on either wing, um, you know, uh, and and for sure, uh, you know, a part in um, Alex Morgan's uh, fifteen goal excellent season that she's had. All right, now moving on to FC Dallas. The big news of the last week is that Marco Farfan has been extended by the club. Uh, that deal is a one that we all have to, I would imagine, quite like because it um, locks the player down for you know uh, through what is like likely the major, the bulk of the prime of his career. Uh, he'll it'll last until he's twenty eight if they pick up the option uh, through the season twenty twenty six. 
I would assume, we don't know for sure, but I will assume that he'll get some kind of pay raise. I thought he was a little underpaid, it turned out, last year because of how much he played. So I would expect that number to have gone up some. Now, outside backs don't make a million dollars, but they do, if they're starters, they do get into the territory of 300, maybe 400 at the most. So where that number lands will tell us a little about it a little bit more about how they value him. But uh, where, where are you on this uh, extension, Dan? Are you a fan of this move? Oh, 100%. I mean, you know, he was just an, a, a lights-out, fantastic addition last year. Uh, brought so much to the to, to left to the fullback positions in general. Uh, defensively, I think his, his attacking uh, game progressed through the season. Um yeah, you know, still a young guy uh, who absolutely needs to be in the uh, national team picture, um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think he was still on. He had that weird contract situation, so I'm not sure. I think he was still on his initial deal because um, he kept going through like a bunch of. Uh, I think it was like a, a f- like five and two option or five and one option, something like that. But it, it's it's good to see that part uh, cleared up as much as anything because it seems <laughs> yeah. really weird. Like, you know, when is it up? When is he? When is he done? When does he move? You know, is he a homegrown? Is he cheap? What's going on? Um, yeah, very very excited to see him tied down. And uh, you had that really cool um, Excel of all the uh, all the contracts, and it was good to see like a solid core of players now secured through 2025 yeah they've talked about um a cycle you know and you can clearly see a cycle on paper with these current group of players uh and we'll come back to some of that a little bit later Uh, the key here with farfan is again how much did you did he get a raise because you don't want to eat up too much cap and i think there are some concerns and i'm a person that feels this way actually that towards the end of the season there was a little bit of a fall off but for, for me, for my eyes, it was all just for the fact that he had to start every single game and go deep in every single game. And he was just getting banged around. And so one of the keys, I think, for Farfan going forward is going to be figuring out how to get that guy 5, 6, 10, if you count Open Cup games games off during the season. So you see him playing more of a 26-game season, perhaps, rather than a 34-game season. Uh, a phenomenal player. But, you know, when you're talking about roster building, this is one of the concerns the club has is who can come in, especially now that Munjomo's gone, because he was the guy that, that you could flip over there and Nano you could flip over there and Ima you can flip over there. But none of those guys are straight up left backs. They're all sort of emergency ideas, so much so that there was this massive load on Farfan. How do you get him legit spelled? And all eyes in this organization, of course, will turn to Isaiah Parker. How ready is he? And how ready he is will depend on how much time they can give Farfan off. And I think that's going to be really important going forward this season. I think, you know, a big thing to consider is it was his, it was really is his first sort of quote unquote full season. He'd had 37 appearances in a few years for Portland. Um, you know, he did have 29 for LAFC. He's jumped to to thirty four in one season with FC Dallas. Uh, let me count it. He was subbed off once, twice, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times in total in the uh, okay nine times if you go through uh, the the playoffs out of thirty four games. He's you know 
it, it, he's turned into a guy who's just and yeah his uh, his minutes in uh, in LA he wasn't really hitting 90s very often um, you know we, we've talked a lot about in the past about having to hit those kind of pains and, and go through them uh, and to be a 90 minute player this you know that that's kind of where he's at right now so I, I'm not 100% sure if it's you know, if he needs to be like a twenty uh, actual twenty six games, and someone takes the other, you know, eight, um, you know, a few regular season games, or he just needs to be, you know, every so often he needs to be pulled twenty minutes early and give Parker those last twenty or or whoever, yeah. uh, you know, else may progress in that area. In a world of five subs, that needs to be the case. He had 2,731 minutes last year, second most on the team to Martin Paz. Now, keepers, you don't sub, right? So he's playing deep, deep into games, even when he is getting subbed. You know, So that's going to be the key. Is like, you need okay that he still played 32, 34 games, but reduce that minute number down to, say, where somebody like Paxton Pomichol is at 2,400. That's 300 game, minutes less. I mean, that's roughly three and a half games less right on your body. Matt Hedges was down at 2,200. You know, you can play the same amount of games, just manage more the ability to bring somebody in. And that's part of the equation because last year there really wasn't somebody that could spell him legitimately. We had guys that we saw come in there, you know, that that emergency wise did it, but it was not the same as having a guy who you feel fits the profile uh, an important quality for this club. You remember the, the, when this coach came in, Nico Estevez, was a lot of this talk about guys that fit the system. It's not always necessarily like purely a pure talent signing. Sometimes the talent can be better or the same in two players. That doesn't mean one of them doesn't fit better. Yeah, I think um, you know his situation in in getting spared those minutes as well. Uh, a lot of that came from from the right back position. You had. The tendency to switch Emma, Emma, and, and Nani around. You had the times the um, Obreon would be bought in as kind of more of a a left, uh, sorry, a right wing back. Uh, and and you know even with five subs, you're not going to sub both your fullbacks. So it's kind of you know the times that he was brought off quite often, it was to do something like uh, you know it to bring Nani on. And kind of have them flipping around, or to bring like a Eddie Manjoma or someone on, um, just having a bit more stability at the right back position uh, with uh, just Ima Tumasi. Uh, now that Nani's you know left uh, following his loan, you know that again that may that may kind of help uh, Farfan in in his moments because you know we did see a lot of cramping and and tightness at times where you would want to have. You know, times where we see a Paxton Pomacol taken off and Nico's just like, oh, no, he was just a bit tight. It was just a precaution. That's, you know, you want to protect all of your players like that, not just kind of leave Marco Farfan out because you don't know if uh, if Nani's going to mess up or uh, if Ema's going to get as far up the field as he wants. Yeah, you can look at the minutes played. And other than pause, of course, the top three guys are Farfan, Jesus Ferreira, and Jose Martinez. Three guys who you can, I think you can arguably say don't have legitimate consideration of a guy challenging them or p- pushing them or being even in a position to be a full-time replacement. I mean, after that, you get into the area of Paul Ariola and Paxton Pomichol. Those, again, 300 or so minutes less than some of these other guys. Um, a couple hundred minutes in Paul Ariola's case. But, you know, again, 
really valuable players who don't have alternatives in their position as that you would like. Uh, and that's a roster problem for the whole team. All right. Now, speaking of Imato Amasi and Nanu and right back, uh, Many, many times there are players from South America or Europe that are linked to FC Dallas. And then we always jokingly say one in eight or one in 10 might be real. And then sometimes you get a report that comes with a verification from a domestic reporter that we have absolute faith in. In this case, Tom Boggart uh, confirmed that FC Dallas was in advanced talks for a player named Giovanni Jesus, who plays for Crosario in Serie B. Again, a Brazilian club. This is where um, Andre Zanata has uh, relationships um, Jesus uh, or Giovanni probably is more likely his playing sort of name is 21 years old. He's played for their first team 43 times. Nominally a right back, has played some wing back, sort of midfieldish wing back, has played some left, uh, sorry, right center back in a three man back line. Um, the numbers that have been reported, not by Bogart, but some of the, te- the sources in South America, sound like. Probably a million dollar buy. I, I find that slightly unlikely. I find that to be a little bit higher than I would expect for a player uh, from Syria B. No offense to Syria B, but it's not the top tier in Brazil. Um, but if there is a buy somewhere even close to that statute, that's why this player, if he were to come here, would more than likely be a U22 initiative because the whole point of that process is to um, prom- not promote to incentivize MLS clubs to buy younger players. And w- with the idea, there'll be less of a cap it. If you want to think of them as sort of mini DPs where the, what would ordinarily be a big cap hit is reduced significantly by using this mechanism. So uh, a, depending on what, how you, how one feels about Ima Tomasi, this is a player that could replace him. It's a player that could be challenging him. It's a player that could come in and back him up for a season or two and progress forward, perhaps. Well, we'll see if that signing actually comes through, but it's a player, a name, excuse me, to watch as we look for you know, domestic news of that uh, acquiring that player actually happening. Um, FC Dallas, for sure, needs a right back of some caliber, whether it's going to be one we hope that challenges Ima Tomasi because Ima will become better because of a challenge. That's how these things work. Um, and it'll be interesting to watch how that goes. Uh, Dan, I, I, I am sitting here, however, <laughs> watching the FC Dallas potential moves. Um, you know, Sebastian Ibiaga from LAFC, this potential right back, Giovanni Jesus from Cresario. These are defensive, perhaps depth pieces. Um, we are not seeing in my mind, uh, the player of the caliber of, say, Aaron Long. Now, I've had conversations with people with SC Dallas of various levels that made me think that they were interested in Aaron Long or a player like that, a starting frontline caliber, big-time center back player. Now, if they miss out on Aaron Long, if they miss out on the New York City center back, uh, Callens, you know, are we looking at a team? And so far, we're hearing nothing in terms of an attacking player, although I don't see a lot of room there anyway, or a midfielder. I don't, again, not a lot of room there either. You know, are we looking at a season uh, where Dallas basically is going to stand pat as we go through into the, the, the season? And other than getting rid of Matt Hedges, where is the attempts to upgrade this team? Yeah. Um, you know, the the Mavs did this thing for a few years where they put their cards, you know, they threw all the eggs in one basket on 
like on a free agent, that free agent would ev- inevitably go somewhere else and then they would be left at the 11th hour like, well, shit, what do we do now? Um, I, I kind of fear that maybe they're doing that with Matt Hedges, um, just kind of hoping that, that there's some change there. Um, it's weird to not hear a lot. Um, I mean, you know, things are going to go quiet with Christmas and, and the New Year, but um, there's normally a lot more shuffling around, it feels like, in you know late November, early December than there has been, uh, other than, you know, signing Ibiaga, uh, the link with uh, Giovanni Jesus, or Jesus, I guess, since it's Portuguese. Um, it, it is a little bit concerning because... Like we keep saying, you know, we we can't guarantee, um, we can't we can't guarantee Jose Martinez, and as you highlighted, you know, put uh, a lot more minutes than you would have liked on his body. Uh, while we're talking about Marco Farfan, it, it does it does kind of worry about that do nothing uh, approach that you'd you'd written about um, rather than. You know, rather than actively going out and getting better, a problem with that is, of course, everyone every season gets better. Uh, you yeah. know, we've just seen Austin, um, you know, make the train the the change from Danny Hosen to uh, um, Zardes trying to I- improve their attack and get a little bit over the uh, the hump of you know like Maxi Arutis pre and uh, post July scoring record and. A little less dependency on uh, uh, Um, You know, while FC Dallas were probably not going to see a ton of, of attacking moves made, you know, you do want to see some improvement in the defense, even if they were to keep on the hedges. You want to see an improvement on one of the two center backs. You want to see uh, some movement in and around the midfield, whether it's the six or one of the eight positions. And we're just not seeing that yet, which is uh, which is concerning. Yeah, there there definitely is a school of thought that that this team could and will improve just by doing essentially nothing. Alan Velasco should improve. Jesus Ferreira is twenty two. Paxton Pomichol is twenty two. You know, these are guys that should get better. Ariola is still a prime of his career. Lejet will be here for a whole season, right? You would expect Edwin Cerillo to improve again. He's taken a step forward every single year. He's improved. No reason to think that won't continue to be the case. You know, as center back, though, you know, Martinez played a big load last year, and there's no really left center back to back him up. Is letting Matt's hedges go away, is that an improvement, whether it's Sebastian Ibiaga or whether it's Nikosi Tafari? Or is either one of those guys an improvement on Matt Hedges? So you're looking at the same center backs coming back, relatively speaking, relative terms. Farfan's coming back the same. If the, even if this kid comes at it right back and lights it up, how much better is he than Imato Masi? Dramatically so. I, I don't I don't see that happen with a 21-year-old. Pause. Is Pause going to reproduce that season he had last year? I don't know. Now, on the other hand, you're still sitting on 3.2 guaranteed uh, money to Frank O'Hara. Now, some of that was paid up front. We've talked about that before. But nonetheless, that's the amount of money that's going out. The door, and by the way, if you're expecting him to leave in the winter to one of those clubs in Brazil, you should go Google what the reactions are when they found out how much Frank O'Hara gets paid. Uh, the comic laughing was hysterical. Um, 
you're going to have to wait till the summer to clear that number. You're sitting on 800K in Facundo. You know, you still have Martinez, Pomacall, uh, Legette, Velasco, Areola, Jesus Ferreira, all those guys make over the DP line. You know, you're you're going to buy down a bunch of them anyway. Now you're clearing Matt Hedges' money. Some of that went to Ibiaga, not anywhere close to the same amount, of course. You know, you're clearing 600K from Nanu. So there is some room to do something. Again, once you're clearing some of that money at center back, you have this expectation of where's the next guy. But even if you bring in somebody to be of the equivalent level of Hedges or Martinez, unless you land a superstar center back, which likely might cost you a million or two, that's not going to get significantly better when you already were one of the best teams in the league on defense anyway. So again, it just seems like we're sitting on a wait and see till some of these bigger other contracts can be gotten rid of, um, you know, along your ideas of, can we get a six? Well, we can, if we buy out Facundo, cause that's an $800,000 contract sitting there, not playing. If you bring in somebody in that position, if you wanted to go get Grezzo back, you'd have to move to the top of the allocation order to do that. That's gonna be hard to do when Dallas was one of the better teams last year, you're gonna be way down the order. So it's difficult maybe, perhaps for Dallas to do some of these things that we'd like them to do. Maybe that's part of why I talked about it being a process because they know they need to clear some of these salaries before they can really do anything. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, entirely possible. Um, uh, it, it feels like, you know, hire a half a season, uh, you know, shouldn't really, yeah, obviously the, the DP um, designation aside um, and then wait and see, I, I guess wait and see, you know, how that's even handled, uh, you know, what the what the remaining uh, half a year actually comes down to and if that's worth paying down to just, um, you know, in addition to, to have an additional uh, yeah. DP spot. Uh, you do have to consider that um, the U22 initiative places, those are dependent on the use of your designated player spots as well and the, and the ages and types of players that you are using with those. Uh, FC Dallas is obviously very high on that, so uh, you can imagine that, that the DP uh, spots are going to in some way center around uh, the use of of maximizing the use of their u22 initiative slots um i don't know it's it's going to be really interesting kind of what happens here you know we know that uh andre zanotta uh is pretty adept at, uh, at getting players out of clubs and finding good value for them um you know is this the time where he kind of has to flex those muscles and to to bring anyone in, um, yeah. Well, I guess we'll wait and see. You know, there are players. I mean, speaking of Faku, you know, he's definitely he's not the worst player on earth. We've, we've heard minor, minor interest in him. Um, you know, not every league is as as fast paced as an athletic as as Major League Soccer. So, somebody with his defensive acumen, he's and at 29 years old is is still a decent prospect for some leagues uh i don't know it's going to be interesting to see what happens what happens with with hara whether there is you know 
it was only a couple of years ago that um, you know there was the situation of he had six months left on his deal. He wanted to come to Dallas. There was talks about how can you buy him out. Here's how much to buy him out. Signing pre-contracts. Uh, you know, it's it's feasible that, that Dallas could be on the other end of that and say, okay, if we pay you this much, we'll mutually terminate. We can have our place back. You can go and do, you know, whatever, as long as there's interest there in the first place. Yeah, it's important to remind everybody that the window doesn't open until February. Uh, so, you know, it's not the end of the world that you're not hearing anything yet. But, man, there's a lot of other teams out there making some noise and with, with the U S being eliminated from the world cup for a week. Now I would have thought we would have seen some break on some of these uh, contracts for center backs start to trickle out and things start to happen. But I think we're left in a holding pattern. We're kind of in a wait and see, and we'll have to see uh, where it goes. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's, you know, there's always a, the notion of, especially the guys that have gone off to the world cup for, you know, whether it's for the U S or, or for any nation, uh, or even players that were effectively on standby for um, early on and kind of cleared their schedule. Those guys are going to take a vacation. They're going to take some time with family, uh, you know, especially the ones who've obviously spent a month away from, from family. Uh, you know, and some players uh, are quite happy to do business in that time. Other players want to completely disconnect and then get back to it after the holidays. Yeah, it's important to remind everybody, too, that FC Dallas, if they sign this Giovanni cat from Cruzario, that will be the last international spot. So something we'd have to give in terms of trading for a spot, getting a green card. I'm looking at you, Siki. Um, maybe trading away an international player, selling an international player, cutting an international player. You have to do something else to inquire somebody. So that limits you perhaps to a little more domestic action. Are there some guys in, for example, USL Championship that might be useful pieces? Uh, lots of questions remain out there. Okay. Sorry, again. go ahead. You were about to say something there? Uh, I was just going to say, I like the name Giovanni Cat. That was cool. <laughs> Giovanni Cat. Uh, this Giovanni comma cat. Um, all right. Next thing is that uh, pe- people have asked me why, in particular, I say, and I don't know if you would agree with me or not, Dan, that, that Brandon Cervania and Seeking and Sebling are both linking eights. Why do I say that they're the same profile? Not the same profile same job as Paxton Pomichol these days in the setup. And why do I think that's true? Why do I not say that one or the other of those guys, more likely Siki, is Sebastian Legette's backup? Why do I feel that there needs to be a player targeted specifically to be Legette's backup? And the short answer to that is assists. Siki and Brandon and Paxton all have um, really good progressive capabilities, progressive passing, passes into the final third, progressive receiving, although Siki's not as good at progressive receiving because his game, his poorest aspect still is his game reading and positional sense. He doesn't, like Edwin, still learning to show for the ball. But uh, Siki is really good at progressive dribbling. Uh, Brandon, more of a progressive passer, not a dribbler. Siki is pretty good at attacking forward. He's pretty good at um, distribution. But when you look at the assist numbers it's not there yet from him um and this is what the knock on paxton this is part of why we say paxton's at linking eight and not a free eight which is the role legit fills because as good as paxton is getting forward into the box as good as seeky can be in terms of dribbling and going at guys and going by him and making progressive passes neither one of those guys put together 
boatloads of key passes that translate into actual assists and goals. Um, this is the difference between Leggett, who does put up numbers in those categories. So this is the kind of player we're talking about. The profile of a guy who backed up um, Leggett would be a profile of a guy that used to be a 10. This is your Thomas Roberts. This is your, um, honestly, Alan Velasco can do it. They've put him in there. Guys that no longer are pure 10s because you have to have a two-way game these days, but they're, they're the profile of guys that can make goals happen. And Siki does not have, Brandon definitely doesn't have that high ability in that zone 14 ability. Siki has a little bit of that in his bag. And I think perhaps over time, he could become that guy. A couple more seasons perhaps, but he's not as young as you think he is. You know, he's up on 24 already. So I think this is why they use Siki deep. So Dan, that's a rant for me, a soapbox rant for me on why those two players in my mind are Paxton's backup at the linking eight and not Legette at the free eight. If if you had to play a guy for Legette right now, you would move Paxton over there and play one of those other two guys in his spot. Do you agree with that assessment? Yeah, I think for me it's it's almost like uh you know, Siki is is obviously, you know, a, a ball of energy. He's a very much a rush it through I feel like Brandon, similarly, you know, more of a passer than a, a dribble, but kind of rushes through the motions a little bit uh, on the ball, whereas Paxton maybe, you know, although he plays a more advanced position, I feel like he's more of that steady, retained possession guy. Uh, he, he can, obviously, play with uh, a little more urgency and everything, but... Um, I guess for me, there's a you know the term steady Eddie, the guy that you know, you put him out there and you know he's going to retain possession. He's going to spread the ball around well. He's going to just he's going to do what he needs to do. That's not necessarily what you know. That's the sort of thing I would associate more with uh, with Seba or or, or Paxton. Uh, if if I wanted a guy who was gonna you know, rush the ball forward, was going to, you know, rush the ball closed, you know, I guess, you know, just be kind of intense on both sides of the ball. Um, but, you you know, you do risk losing possession, you do risk um, a few missed tackles, things like that. I, I would probably closer associate Siki and, and Brandon of the uh, four. Yeah, that's the thing is that the the it's they're very different players, Brandon and Siki. Brandon is smooth. Uh, he floats. He passes. He gets to the edge of the box, but doesn't get into it. Siki's uh, frenetic, uh, high energy, uh, makes a lot of uh, recoveries in the sense of, of, of saving himself when he's out of position because of his energy. You know, some of Siki's samples are small because he has not started enough and doesn't play enough minutes to have like these larger, like 90 minute performances. Whereas Brandon, we've had long runs where he's been a key guy and started a lot of games in, in chunks and played really well in chunks and then falls off and doesn't play really well in chunks. So uh, different players, but both do the same job. Um, and it leads me to the question, Dan, since, since I think and you, I think, agree that both of those guys are now basically backing up Paxton, is it time to trade one of those two players? Uh Brandon is slightly younger, comes to the U.S. system, so he's domestic. Siki is not. Siki's an international. Um, one is more smooth and moves about. One is younger and more, uh, is a little bit older, but more frenetic. 
Do you think either one of those guys, A, has value in the market, and B, should you move one to open up a little bit of logjam and, and maybe cap uh, in that position? Um, I'm not sure I really have a whole lot of value in the market. Uh, you know, Brandon's big commodity is, is being a domestic player um, or big selling point. I, I think in terms of the organization, you know, Brandon's been here quite a while. Uh, Siki is kind of, you know, he's, he's still got that shine on him. Uh, you know, they, they still uh, tread around the little story of uh, of um, of being sort of talked into drafting him and then uh, the coaches kind of uh, being right with, with that one. Um, I think if they were going to kind of, well, also I guess, you know, Brandon obviously commands a, a higher salary, I want to say. Uh, without looking at him, uh, I just feel like if they were to drop one, it would probably be to well, I say drop one uh, to tr- to try and trade one away. Um, it, it would more likely be Brandon at this point. Yeah, the, the reason you would trade Seeky would be to open up the international spot, uh, or perhaps people were more interested in his yeah, energy off of the bench. Yeah, Brandon makes about twice as much money and is domestic, uh, so there is some value. A little bit of value for both of them. I don't think high value for both of them, but there is some value. I think it would be easier to trade Brandon, I think, because of the domestic side. But I don't know that you can get a whole lot for either one of them. You'd be looking at probably about the equivalent of what it would take to get into the first round of a draft or something like that. You know, a couple 150K, maybe 200K in Tam or Gam or something like that would be about the most you'd get for them because neither one of them is a first-line player at this point. Um, both not spring chickens. They're, you know, 23, 24. So uh, it, it would be tough. But, you know, when you have multiple guys at one spot, and if you're assuming Paxson's a lock to start, which he may or may not be, um, you know, both of those guys fighting to be backup is not a great situation. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, it doesn't probably doesn't help uh, the cause a little bit that, you know, Brandon, you know, he has a US men's national team cap. He has the possibility of going, filing his change to play for Puerto Rico still. Uh, he is a guy that with a good run of games can do very well. Uh, you know, he 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 started out uh, he, he started out well after coming back from Austria. Um, but just kind of fell away. He had the uh, the, the pair of red cards. He's kind of very, he's very much a uh, peaks and valleys sort of player. Whereas, you know, you want to quite often you want to trade for someone who's maybe a little bit more consistent. You know, whether you bring them off the bench or or you give them a good run of games, that you're going to get a similar quality, uh, even a, a similar style of play that, you know, he doesn't have to kind of ease into the game. Um, you know, as I, th- as I think we saw. When uh, you know when he has had good runs of uh, you know decent runs in the team, yeah, I think it was maybe 2019 when he came back from the U20 World Championship and he had that really nice run on the back end of the season and he actually had like a spectacular goals added stat where he was like plus 19 or something, you know, over that stretch run. Uh, but then he's never since then been able to put together more than a you know 10 or so game run of really quality play before he suffers something or, or just sort of loses his way. Um, never has become the lockdown 
player that we thought he would be. I mean, there was a point at which we assumed that he and Paxton would become the go-to eights on this team. And it doesn't seem to really be happening for Brandon for whatever reason. Um, and Cirque Seek is putting pressure on that position uh, and having extra guys making three or 400,000 a year that aren't playing. It's not really what you want to do. So uh, some roster management still be done with this team. Yes, absolutely. Okay, let's um, move on then to the next topic, which is I would like to give a shout-out to a couple of FC Dallas U-17s who have been called into international camps. Uh, Nairobi Vargas has been called into the Honduras U-17s and Henry Canazales into the El Salvador U-17s. Both these guys play for the FC Dallas U-17s. That shouldn't surprise you. Um, Henry Canazales is a left back. Nairobi Vargas is a very large, grown-ass man target striker. Um, both of them have are a little inconsistent from time to time, but both have potential to be professionals. And, and shout-outs to them for their recent call-ups to those teams. Vargas has been in a, a several camps for Honduras now. Canazales, I believe, has been called into, I think, a domestic sort of camp it's down in el salvador but i think it's all u.s kids that they've brought in for looks i'm not 100 sure because there's not a ton of reporting on that particular youth system out there that i could find but so uh funny enough uh, our good friend john arnold is is the one that uh, actually wrote all about this uh the el salvador uh, hunt for you know american-born players with uh, of uh, Salvadoran descent, uh, I think, in his uh, get concaffeinated yep. uh, emails, and that he's he's covered that extensively in in the process uh, for both the uh, the men's and and women's side. So, uh, you know, you may not necessarily see uh, Canizales' uh, reference there, but uh, if you you know to to kind of see what one of uh, one of our CONCACAF neighbors are doing in that regard. Uh, you can definitely check that out. Okay. Any wild cards, Dan, anything you want to throw into the pod today? I've, I've got nothing. Uh, no, I mean, it's, it's just been, uh, Luton, Luton getting back to playing <laughs> a little bit of disappointment there. England, a little bit of disappointment there. And, and, uh, no, it's been, it's been one of those weeks where I've barely been at home. So I haven't uh, had a chance to see much of anything. Well, I, I want to go back and touch on uh, the idea of roster building because I think this is an important phase we are currently with this organization. Um, if, if we look real quickly, uh, and if anyone wants to go look, I know I'll probably put a link in the description of the article I did a couple of days ago, which talks about this roster building as a structure, you know, with, with positions and whether you're filling all the needs. Um, and we started this winter with Jose Mulato coming in and filling the third striker spot on my list. The other next open spot I have is behind Legette, which we just talked about extensively. Perhaps we could pencil in Seeky there. If not, maybe there's a U22 out there or a homegrown or a draft pick or something. But sort of maybe that spot's full, but sort of maybe it's not. So there's a question mark. The next big spot is Isaiah Parker. Is he ready to come up and be that other left back in the 22? That's going to be a question that will be answered in spring training. Uh, in my mind, Sebastian Ibiaga filled the Matt Hedges veteran depth piece at center back. Now, I always say you need five center backs, so that means you also need a fifth reserve, like a young draft pick or homegrown. But that leaves a big, massive hole where a TAM or free agent style center back would be. Again, we've talked about 
the perhaps potential interest in long or other center backs. And really that's it, except for perhaps maybe a little bit of draft pick on the bottom of the roster. So those are the spots. It's the big starting center back or possibly maybe this U22 initiative. You assume that the other hole, which was right back, which possibly could have been Colin Smith, but now maybe is Giovanni Jesus. So, so there's only one massive spot left, that starting caliber center back. And then you can either pencil and see, or maybe you go out and get somebody young to back up Legette. And that's, that's really it, unless you're trying to figure out how to improve this team beyond just sitting still. That's, that's where I see this build, and I don't see any other particular holes in it. Yeah, it's uh, you know I, I, we're good. I guess the we are going to get to see the uh, the first part in in potentially filling some of those gaps where maybe you do want like a younger backup uh, with the super draft coming up on Wednesday. Uh, obviously, we know it's not the not the deepest pool uh, ever, but. Um, if you can get uh, another Seeky or uh, really, uh, you know, get get some kind of depth out of it, um, a project for North Texas SC, you know, that that could um, ease some of the uh, technical staff's work um, and kind of allow them, to, I guess, focus on other targets. Keep in mind that Dallas picks twenty fourth in the first round, so unless you do something magical to move up uh not a real chance not a high percentage chance of value there except remember that's basically roughly the part of the draft where they landed seeky so yeah they got in 28th yeah you can get a piece there if you do your homework the percentages are much much lower than you would think they would be in the top six yet the two top six picks one of them they had last year is a complete washout the other is again a pick for the future drafted at 19 at in the middle of his freshman year so Isaiah Parker, no hurry, plenty of time there. Other than like you'd like him to progress enough to start spelling Farfan, Farfan more if you can. But um, again, you know, more likely you're going to be getting guys that are going to help North Texas. You know, um, the question will be, and I'll have something on this later this week or early next week. Are there any homegrowns in this draft pool that are worth signing? You know, the senior kind of homegrown, your 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 Eddie Munjomas or your Khalil El Medcours, that kind of homegrown. Uh, there might be a couple interesting, but we'll see. Um, and again, you know, there's not a whole lot of pieces or room left for this thing in terms of holding your cards and kind of staying pat. You know, forget about even like, where's the big move to improve the team? I'm talking about just holding your spot, you know, as the rest of the league probably tries to improve. Man, we're going to have a lot of bated breath held here in January as we wait for the team to do something, Dan. You know, uh, I, I think, I think I've, uh, I've found the, the scenario that we're looking for. Okay. Uh, so, you know, um, what's the fellow's name? Mariano F- uh, Fazio, his brother was yep. the Argentine uh, international player for Roma. Yeah. Um, played for Richland College before going off to Tulsa. Yep. He was in the college showcase last week. <laughs> so uh he comes up, he is he is your FC Dallas center back of the future. How about that? <laughs> uh I say that he's probably like, you know, twenty five. 
Uh, he might be. Um, I'm not exactly sure how old he is. He's a little bit older for sure. I, I have talked to some coaches about him and the general. He's 28. Is he that old? Yeah. The general take I get on the guy is that he probably just is not quite uh, fast enough of foot to be an MLS caliber player. You know, if he is, as, if he is 28, as you say, that's for sure not a guy you will want to be drafting by any stretch. He could not, he cannot play for FC Dallas as a homegrown. Um, you'd have to draft him. That'd be really old. I, I just don't personally see that as a viable option. Dallas has had him in camp. They have brought him into North Texas camp and a couple of times for decent runs of, of a week here, or two weeks there. And they just haven't progressed forward with that. So in my opinion, that's not uh, a viable option, but um, maybe they'll killing. change their tune. Yeah. It's killing me. Just buzz kill around. I know buzz kill around. I will admit that that, that most of those conversations happened in the previous coaches era. I have not talked to uh, Nico Steves about him. Perhaps he would fit the Nico Steves profile. Um, I think in particular, FC Dallas likes really good passing center backs in the current version of this team. So, you know, Matt Bill wrote a thing where he tagged some uh, USL center back, uh, you know, as a possible depth piece. I don't know. I, I think that there's, if, if you can't get the front line center back that you want, the free agent or, or the South American or whatever, I honestly think you can just go with what you have other than adding a draft pick or a homegrown potentially and sort of see how it goes. Um, and if you're worried about it in the middle of the summer, then you can do something different. I do think over the course of the next year or so, I think you need to replace Martinez because of the um, the leg issue and the, as he's starting to age. It's not like his game is predicated on athleticism. It's more about game reading. But I just think that they could do better at both center back positions pending uh, Nikosi Tafari progressing. I think Nikosi Tafari, if you invest the playing time, he's got potential to be really, really good. It's not a lock, though. It's a project. You got to wait for him and give him lots of time, and it's going to hurt from time to time. Yeah, the, I think the problem, the problem with that is that's that's FC Dallas to a T. You know, that's the same case with Parker. Yep. Uh, you know, a guy who's got a great upside, but you need to invest to get there. You can't just kind of let him sit on the bench or you know play uh, play park football and and hope that. It just magically happens. Yeah, Colin Smith and Isaiah Parker are in the same boat right now in the sense that they're both 19-ish, and they both are now, in my opinion, outplaying North Texas Soccer Club in the level that it's at. Yet neither one appears to be ready for MLS action. Smith certainly not if they're going after a guy from Brazil. Parker, in my opinion, probably is closer, but we're going to find out. Both of those guys now are firmly in the gap that exists between North Texas Soccer Club and FC Dallas. Both of those guys, if Smith for sure, and, and Parker, if he can't force his way into the 22, they need to go on loan to the USL Championship. Both of those guys need to play 30 games next year. Both of them need to play at a letter, level, level better than MLS Next Pro. This, this remains an organizational issue, this gap between North Texas Soccer Club and FC Dallas. They're going to bridge it with uh, Bernie, with Bernard Camungo, because he already popped up and then in, in 20 minutes of play showed that he's right there ready to be the second left wing after Velasco, or right wing if he prefers, ahead of Obreon. So um, it can be jumped, but 
Camugo's a guy further along his progression, a little bit older. Those other two dudes are 19 and need to play somewhere and somewhere better than North Texas. Yeah, I mean, the league all-rounders has got uh, an issue there. Yeah, it's definitely not good enough yet. And the funny thing is that there are some clubs that use it basically just for their U19 team, and they get absolutely wrecked game after game after game. I found it interesting. I was looking up... um Last week with the uh, UPSL finals, I was looking up like the the where it was going to be played and everything. And UPSL, a lot of uh, particularly on the West Coast, uh, a lot of teams are using that as a second uh, academy game. So I guess you know just kind of varying up like play having kids playing against adults in that because well they sure as hell aren't doing it in MLS Pro next. Yeah, uh, and even the oh, sorry, U- MLS Pro rather than MLS Pro now. Yeah, the U nineteen bracket for for a lot of MLS clubs isn't good enough um, because some clubs just flat out close down their U 19s Like for example, Houston doesn't have a U nineteen team; they jump from the seventeen straight to next pro, and you know the, they keep four or five dudes, and the other twenty got to go find a new place to play um, at the U nineteen level. And then I saw I think it's LAFC has their U nineteen team in UPSL, as you mentioned, as an example. So in the FC Dallas case, because they don't, there's not enough clubs close enough of that caliber like there are in California, they tend to scrimmage a lot of games outside of their regular schedule. They play their own U17 team fairly frequently. They play the, some of the UPSL teams. They've played DKSC. They've played um, 40360. You know, they, they, they scrimmage the 19th scrimmage against North Texas all the time. So, uh, you know, Dallas tries to fill some of those gaps as well. Um, everyone's trying to figure out how to do it. Yeah, it's, it's a big problem because, I mean, what USL at least allowed you to do is US, USL 1, you had that mix of young players and then like 30-somethings yeah. looking for the last leg of their career. And those are the guys that you need your young guys to play against. Yes. You need to, you know... I mean, you sent Jesus and, and Brandon to Tulsa in USL Championship so they could get an elbow in the face or two from from an aging vet, and that's what kind of helped them get over the hump and break into the first team, you know, in the first place. Yeah, and that's exactly what Smith and Parker both need is to go up against teams like that. It's to go to – and you can't send them to San Antonio. They're the defending champs. They just won the title. You, yeah. you got to have to find some teams that are probably near the bottom of the standings that looking for young potential to play and try and elevate them. You know, maybe Tulsa's looking to progress forward. Maybe I don't know where El Paso is, but I feel like it's sort of in the middle ground. You know, or maybe you got to reach further afield um, to get these guys some minutes. This is going to be a test of the relationships. It was always interesting. Um, uh, Sir Alex Ferguson, his attitude towards lone players. Uh, you know, goalkeepers and defenders would always go to a struggling team because they're going to see way more attention. Yeah. Uh, you know, attackers would go to a decent team because they're going to see more attention. They're going to get more chances created. You know, it was very like a methodical thing. So like you say, uh, you know, while, uh, you, know, you know, you're not going to see the defensive side, which I think, you know, is by far and away... Uh, both of their their weaker points. I've seen them play much better sure. as wingers than yep. than fullbacks for North Texas. Grant, I haven't seen a, a ton of them for North Texas. Uh, someone like uh, San Antonio, who you would hope are kind of running up scores in some games, that's not that's not going to do anything for them. No, if if they can get in the team, that yep. is. 
Yeah. Yeah, you would struggle to break into a team at San Antonio. That's a really good and, and we saw it with with Timasi uh, when he was sent to uh, Bold, but yeah, Austin Bold yep. as a right back, and they were just like, "Sorry, we don't have the use for a right back. He's playing right wing, or he can just come back and go into training." Yeah, and Nicky Hernandez at San Antonio last year had trouble getting more. I think he had about ten starts, you know, and did some good things with the minutes he got, but you would like to have seen more. Um, I, I do think that. There were some guys on this team last year that Dallas wanted to go on loan, and they turned it down and chose to stay here and try and fight for a spot. I think that's almost always the wrong decision. You know, when you're between the ages of 18 and 24, playing is everything. you got to be play, 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 play. And so when an opportunity comes along, if the Dallas arranges for it for these guys, you got to take it. I mean, weren't a few of those players uh, declined options? Yes, they were. At the end of it? I mean, that's... Well, that's so your, was your takeaway. Yeah, so was Nikki too, but um, I still think Nikki has done himself a service because he put himself in the shop window with oh, absolutely. the USL championships. And there will be teams that will say, I, I liked what I saw there. I liked the numbers he put up. Whereas looking at Eddie Monjoma or um, Nikki Hernandez, both went and played for DKSC and the UPSL in order to try and the last in the playoffs in order to try and, I guess, get some action and show that they can play or whatever. So. Um, you know, sometimes putting their resume together is as important as anything else for these guys in their progression. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah. Uh, Nicky Hernandez, I think, you know, he's he's made himself a, you know, a very good, not quite MLS level resume. You know, he's he's played for Texas United in USL too. He's played for Denton Diablos. He's he's been a mainstay for North Texas. He's he's a USL. Uh, champion with uh you know with san antonio fc online yeah he's put himself in a in a very strong position for someone to say 24 year old midfielder you know like you've like you said with edwin earlier he's kind of improved year on year he he had one stumble in his second season in that uh 2021 season uh with north texas but you know largely he's been you know, a, a pretty uh, oh, sorry, and played SMU obviously, uh, for for a couple of years. He's he's been someone who's shown progression almost every year. All right, the one last topic I just want to put out there for everybody um, is to keep in the back of your mind that Dante Seeley and Justin Shea, both of those players have their loans run out in June of this season, so. I don't think it's super likely either player could come back, but both of those clubs, uh, both of those loan deals, I believe had options to buy in them that have not been executed. Uh, It does make me wonder whether the two teams they're with now have interest in keeping them beyond the end of their loan. That is when their season's in is in, in June. Um, no agent likes to bring their player back to Major League Soccer at the end of a loan like that. Uh, they kind of don't want that. I, I, I wouldn't call it a failure, but they don't want that slight vibe of a failure to coming back like that. They prefer to find another landing spot in Europe. But nonetheless, it's possible that Dallas might keep a spot open, perhaps, you know, or or be ready to loan somebody out and bring them in. If, if it works out, it's just something to have in the back of your head. 
there's several things happening all at once for the summer, middle of summer. Frank O'Hara is gone. Maybe some loans ending for players that could come back. So the summer will be interesting for SC Dallas. You're opening a DP, DP spot and $3 million of, of internal budget and a DP roster hit. There's going to be some action this summer for SC Dallas. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see if, if either of those players come back. You know, we just see a bit of noise about, uh, you know, maybe being too good for MLS, then going and playing significantly lower level. Um, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Che, because, uh, you know, he does have a, he is with a strong agency, uh, CAA. Um, he... You know, he is a guy that has a boot deal. He's, uh, you know, been playing a lot of midfield, apparently. He's, you know, someone that he's constantly talked about for, you know, he's talked about a lot for 2026. He's um, one of those guys whose profile maybe doesn't match his play yeah, uh, to, to a degree. And that's not, a, that's not a slight on him or anything uh, that's just saying that he's kind of set up for success beyond where his career on the field is right now. Um, you know, I, I feel like there's, you know, probably not a, a great chance of, of him coming back in that scenario. Um, it'd be, it'd be really interesting to see what happens with, uh, with, um, Sealy, obviously, you know, a long term, uh, probably, you know, a longer term association with FC Dallas uh, due to his dad. Sometimes, you know, we've, uh, I think we've talked about it on the Discord about, uh, you know, with uh, Giovanni Reina um, and, and and Claudio Reina that, you know, sometimes parents who are pros just want to kind of stay out of it and let their kid just do their thing because they themselves would have had pushy parents or, or something else um you know so is there a, a notion that maybe there would be less pushback there to uh you know to maybe coming back to fc dallas and and earning earning stripes alternatively we've talked a lot about um you know him having a, a trinidad and tobago passport as well and what that can kind of open up in in europe through different uh different visa situations in different countries. Yeah. The interesting one for me is actually more likely to be Dante Sealy. Cause I feel like the, the Giovanni signing essentially is what Che would be in terms of your roster. Yeah. Right back as center back ish kind of vibe. But Dante Sealy um, plays the same position as for example, Hadir Obreon, who's guaranteed money runs out at the end of 2023. He has two options for 24 and 25. But if you're looking at perhaps Dante Sealy coming back, and maybe that's a way that where he comes back in the summer, and then there's a five month window, like okay, can you be a replacement at that spot? Do we let him slide out and you become that second line guy behind uh, Paul Ariola? Because Dante Sealy has got a very different profile from Paul Ariola. Dante Sealy has a profile some more similar to Hadir Ubrion, that direct running at people with pace dribbling attacking slashing kind of vibe um just sort of a way things fit together wise that sort of slides in place for me now on the other hand i don't know how nico estevez is going to feel about dante Sealy in terms of his training 
methodology. Dante, in my experience of watching him train when he was here in the academy, is not a crush it every day in training warrior like this coach seems to like. But again, that was three years ago. He's been gone for a while. So maybe if he doesn't find that he succeeded, quote unquote, with PSV, maybe come back and put yourself in the shop window is the next move for Dante. Uh, And maybe that fits in with what the club might be needing towards looking towards 2024. Now that's a lot of mites and maybes, but that feels more likely to me than Justin Che does. Yeah, hundred percent. And, and, you know, you talk about coming back and putting yourself in the shop window, coming back and, uh, you know, the, I mean, it's almost turned into an exclusivity. It really shouldn't be. And this will be a part of the next coaching cycle, I'm sure. But, uh, the Gold Cup now is is largely uh, an MLS player tournament. It's not so much the guys on the fringes of the team or guys that need tournament experience as much as just, well, you're you're there, so we'll use you. Um, you know, if if a Sealy or a you know or or in a more extreme case, a Che could get into that. That that is more exposure. That is more incentive to buy a a, a national team player than. Uh, a kid who's, you know, played a bit part of reserve football. Yeah, Justin Shea turned 20 in November. Dante Sealy turns 20 in April of next year. So again, guys with long futures ahead of them, but something to have on your radar going forward. All right, Dan, that got us to about an hour's worth of content. Uh, thank you, my friend, for being here. Uh, hopefully, despite England's loss, you enjoyed the World Cup, uh, and hopefully you're having a good holiday season. Uh, you know, so far so good. Uh, uh, and likewise, hope you're uh, you're enjoying it and have a, a good holiday season. And uh, you know, it's that that wonderful time of year that we're having a lot of. Uh, you know, I mentioned the, the Discord a second ago. Uh, you know, definitely everyone should uh, even on the off season uh, do the whole Patreon thing, get in that Discord, have a lot of fun discussion, a lot of uh, good quality uh, soccer talking there and uh you're getting some good burns going right now with uh some thoughts on some of the younger guys you had the uh vargas and canizales uh, a few days ago uh it's it's some some yeah. good content considering where we're at in the off season well thanks thank you i i quieted down a little bit during the world cup because it was an overload of soccer in the world but um it now that we're cooling down a little bit on the amount of soccer we'll start to ramp up a little sc dallas which brings us to hopefully there's some news soon because we need some more things to talk about with sc dallas everybody third degree the podcast is brought to you by soccer90.com your source for all your fc dallas and world cup gear shop the wide selection of national team merchandise today 25 percent off as a third degree listener with code third degree at check out soccer90.com as a special 25% off for all listeners of this podcast and supporters of third degree 25% off go get it soccer90.com and uh thank you to all of you third degree curious fans fc dallas curious fans i gotta say that right for peter uh, out there hopefully you guys are having a great holiday season and we'll see you next week on the next edition of third degree the podcast yay content Third degree nepocket. Third degree, the third degree nepocket. Third degree, third degree nepocket. Third degree, third degree nepocket. Twenty five, twenty five long hard years, yeah. 
was Gary, yeah, the man, man. 25 years, you better be giving this man at least $5 a month, Patreon third degree. Come on, pay the man. It's the only comprehensive coverage of my fucking club that I love so much. Hey, come on, it's third degree old bust. Yes, give the man some mother f- money. Hey, third degree, third degree, never podcast.